Welcome to Christian Financial Perspectives, where you're invited to gain insight, wisdom, and knowledge about how Christians integrate their faith, life, and finances with a biblical worldview. Here's your host, Christian investment advisor, financial planner, and coach, Bob Barber. Welcome to another episode of Christian Financial Perspectives. We're so glad you joined us today. Whether you're watching this video online or you're listening in on one of the many podcast directories, we're so glad you've decided to join us. And Bob, what do we have for today? Well, today, Sean, we have do-it-yourself investing and the 10 flaws of do-it-yourself investing. Um, I I speak with people every day that they been trying to do it themselves, but they've not been very successful at it. And so I think it's important to, in today's climate, especially the way that, you know, you hear the advertising on YouTube um, or regular TV or social media that you don't need anybody. You can just do it yeah. all yourself. Right? It's all just DIY. Yes, it is. So I think there's some flaws behind that, and we're going to talk about the 10 flaws. And I think once you hear these flaws, you will um, have your eyes open because no one talks about them. Yeah, they really don't. Well, let's go ahead and start with a couple scriptures first. I'm going to be reading Proverbs 15:22. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. It's one of our favorite verses here. It is. We quote it a lot around here, yeah. but I think it's it's a very good one especially for today about yeah. doing things yourself and all exactly. alone. And that doesn't apply just to investing either. That scripture is great for really anything in life that you should always seek wise counsel, whether it's investments, legal, tax, uh, something not related to finance at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, seek wise counsel. And then the second second scripture is Ecclesiastes 4.10, which states, If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. And I like a little bit of the rest of that scripture that talks about two are better than one. That's right. You know, and and I I do believe that. And it's interesting. I don't believe one plus one equals two. I believe one plus one equals three in this this way of talking. I mean, I know math is one and one is two. But when you get two minds together or even three minds together, it's like having five minds because you're bouncing off each other. Yeah. uh, The the synergy of, of having multiple people working together is greater than the you know the parts so so let's get into the uh the first flaw of the of the 10 flaws is a lack of long-term uh, everyday experience i i think it's ex- experience really comes with uh investing and financial planning and it takes a long time i know sean you know i've been doing this for 38 years and i'm still learning yeah after all that time believe it or not after eight years i'm still learning too yeah yeah <laughs> But yeah, that's definitely a good one. You know, just having that experience of doing it, you know, as as a career, as a job uh-huh. is, I mean, there, like you said, there's still so much to learn, but you also learn a lot doing that all the time. Over and over. Yeah. And, and repetition. For, for most people, I mean, the average investor that's DIY, it's not something that you're doing every day. It's something that, mm-hmm. you know, as an investor, you're maybe once a day or once a week. I mean, I, I don't, you know, depending I, I on the these, person, how often they look. Com- but I, I just, I can't stand these commercials where it shows somebody doing trades while they're at their workplace or during a lunch yeah. break. I mean, come on. This is God's money. It belongs to him. And he's yeah. looking at us to be good managers. How can you be a good manager playing it like that? Yeah. Well, I think the biggest distinction with that is, 
you know, uh, for those of you who hopefully we've got your interest now on, on DIY investing, but there's a big difference between investing and trading. You know, you see these commercials that talk about how, show how easy it is. Oh, just do it on your lunch break. Absolutely. You can trade, you can make trades very right. quickly yes. and many times within a couple minutes. The, but that's not the same as investing. That's not the same as you are focusing on investing for the long term or for retirement. Yeah. That's trading. So the investing part is what should you be trading? When should you be making those trades? Into what? Like that's the hard part of the investing, not the trading part. That's yeah. just technology. So when they talk about investors today or investors this hour, they're not talking about investors. They're talking about traders. traders. Yeah. Or like, you know, I always say it, it's a T-R-A-I-T-R. They're, they're, they're traitors. Okay. okay. The, the, the second flaw of do-it-in-yourself investing is actually, most people don't realize this, is lower long-term returns. Mm. You know, the average returns are actually much lower. Now I'm going to have uh, uh, Garrett put up a chart right. that you can see right here, and you will notice that over every time period, 12 months, 3 years, 5 years, 10 years, 20 years, the returns are lower for the everyday do The average yourself. investor. The yeah. average investor. Yeah, exactly. and, and that's compared with just a simple buy and hold strategy for the S&P 500 that the average investor underperforms a simple buy and hold strategy consistently. Yeah. So when you when you look at that and say, well, I don't want to hire an advisor because I don't want to pay a fee. Okay, well, at the very least then, don't try to do it yourself. You should do a buy well, and hold strategy. I, like I've, I said, Sean, many times you'll hear us say this today, we, we, we should have had a degree not in finance, but in psychology as well. Amen. Um, which leads to the third flaw of doing it yourself, right. and that is, that is emotional decision-making, making, making yes. those decisions on emotions. And if you've listened to the podcast very long, you know that I'm always saying emotions and finance mixed together like oil and water. You just shouldn't do it. So they don't mix. They do not <laughs> they don't mix. mix. They and don't we're, we're going to put a chart on screen that shows the uh, the emotional investor chart or like the, the market. Yeah, market okay, emotions. that's a good idea to put that Just because I think it's good. When you, when you look at this chart and you see as, as people are getting more and more excited and you're getting almost buy euphoria and everybody wants to buy, 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 buy. Well, that's typically the point where it's increasing the chances that markets are probably about to have a, a pullback of some kind, yeah. some sort of correction. And then again, average investor, it doesn't necessarily mean everybody, but right. average investor, when you get towards the bottom of the emotional cycle where everybody is is panicking, there's the depression, get me out, and just get me over. out. Yeah. That's usually a good time, especially for institutional investors or professional investors. Mm -hmm. They think, okay, if the investor sentiment is showing nobody wants it, probably a good time for me to buy in. And so it just kind of goes to show that for the average investor, that emotional aspect of, the, of making those decisions, it hurts you in the long run because you end up most of the time you buy high and you sell low, which is the opposite of what, you should be of what you're supposed to be doing, where mm -hmm. you buy low and you sell high. And you know, um, I love that chart. Yeah, you do. That, and I, I mean, I've got that chart on my desk under the glass part where everyone yeah. can see it when they when they come into my office. It reminds me of that phrase you say many, many times where, you know, things have been going re really well. You want to take the strategy of go ahead and pull some of that profit off. Go ahead and pull some of that growth, you know, growth that you've had off the table. But it maybe goes move it, move it somewhere else. It's human nature, Sean. It does. But it's the pigs get fat and the hogs get slaughtered. Yeah. 
So hey, where'd you get that saying from? From you. <laughs> That's a country boy saying the pigs get fat and the hogs get slaughtered. But My dad that, owns a farm. Does that count? Oh, yes, he does. <laughs> he owns a lot of farms. So, yes. All right. Um, so number four. Okay. Let's go into that one. No personal team to help with major financial decisions. So this is the part, Bob, that really gets into it's the la- uh, point number two. Right. That was talking about the returns and the mm-hmm. performance. Right. That's really one part of the investment process and, and ultimately the point. I mean, how many people do we work with that come into the office and all it is is they just they just want to get a certain return? That's never actually what the focus no, is. No, it's not. And even if someone is concerned about the returns, it shouldn't what be. is it they're really asking? Am I on track to actually be able to retire or not? I mean, that's that's usually what people are asking. And whether that's they have certain amount of money that they want to fund charities or money to take care of themselves, no matter what it is. But ultimately, it comes down to I'm trying to make these major financial decisions, whether it's retirement or between now and retirement. And when you're doing it yourself, who are you going to talk to about that? And the, I'm talking about major financial decisions that I uh, deal with every day from clients that give me a call too. Yeah. Should I sell this home? Should I buy this home? What about buying this car? What about taking this big vacation? Things and how like is that, that going to affect your portfolio? Right. Yeah. And and when you're doing it yourself, who are you bouncing that off of? Maybe your spouse, but your spouse is has not doesn't have the experience in that. Unless, I mean, I, I'm not saying that a do-it-yourself investor if if they're 70 years old, maybe you know they might could, but Usually, it's interesting. As they hit, as they get older, they realize they need help. Yeah, it's the younger that well, doesn't realize that. Back to number three, Bob. Not having a team to talk to that that emotional aspect of it can also tie into you're trying to make this decision of should you go on that cruise, should you buy the new car. Mm-hmm. You're emotionally invested in that decision. When you're talking to a third party, when you're asking a trusted advisor, That's right, they're, not. they're not emotionally invested in whether or not you should go on the cruise or the car because it's not going to affect them. With the, what an advisor in that case is doing is trying to help you determine from a mathematical perspective and for, for your long-term goals, is this going to hurt it or is it something that you can manage? That's where the decision is being made. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your spouse usually is a great person. You should always talk to your spouse. But when you and your spouse are making a decision that directly affects you both, it's very difficult to actually remove yourself emotionally from that decision. That's a good point. That's a very good point. And we're going to get into talking and one of the lower points about making those decisions, how we use mathematical tools to That's do right. that. Okay. Why don't you hit number five? Okay, number five is lack of an investment strategy. Boy, I see this one a mm. lot. Um, Sean... I ask all the time, I'm doing, I'm investing myself, right? Right. And I say, what's your investment strategy? And I get this deer in the headlights look. Yep. Okay. Wait, strategy? (laughs) Investment strategy? What do you, what do you mean? No. Do you have a written investment strategy? Yeah. As to what you're going to do during this market or what you're going to do during, during, you know, a down market or an up market. What's your investment strategy? Now. On our website for ChristianFinancialAdvisors.com, you can look under investments, and it will tell you our investment strategy. We have seven points, and there's a lot of strategies under all seven of those points, and we abide by those seven points. That's right. And and we stick by those so that we don't get off track. That's right. And it it covers covers our mentality of of not allowing emotions to Mm -hmm. dictate decisions, not allowing whatever happens to be said in the news today 
and in some uh, entertainment for entertainment purposes, not allowing doomsayers, to, you know, those oh, kinds yeah. of things. We don't allow that to affect yep. it. But then it also covers both both our, our faith-based, biblically responsible investing. It covers our strategy for that. And how are we actually doing that? It also covers financial fundamentals and, you know, the stuff that even someone who isn't a faith-based advisor should be doing right. if they're an advisor. Looking at the so financials we, of the company. Are yeah. they profitable or not? What's their price-to-earning ratio? Exactly. What are the analysts saying exactly. about it? Exactly. Okay. So we yeah. do go through all those things. Like Bob said, you can see it on our website. And if you don't have an investment strategy, then you are not a DIY investor. You're a DIY trader. Because that's one of the big differences. Is Sean, if you have a strategy or not determines investment versus trades. I got I got to say that I've never met a DIY investor that had an investment strategy. Not one time. Well, lots of traders. Years. Lots Not of traders. one time. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Okay. Number six, Sean, I'm going to have you you that. And I really want to okay. comment on this one, okay? Okay. you know I can. Well, I'll set it up and you can swing it. Okay. All right. <laughs> so number six, the time it takes to manage it correctly. You need to be laser focused on financial global events 24 7, 365, and love doing it. Okay, Sean. So make a comment about me on this one. You fit that very much. I do, don't I? To a T. <laughs> It's, in a way, it can be sad because I, I, don't, I don't have any idea of what else is going on. Don't ask but, him about any particular movies or actors or – unless it's a show that was filmed and, and displayed in black and white or TV <laughs> shows in black and white, Bob's not going to know what the movie is. Because so. I am, I'm very <laughs> focused on the global events. And, yes, I love doing it. I know I'm a little bit weird. I'm kind of strange. But I'm literally focused on financial events every day. And I love doing it. And if you're going to be managing money yourself, you need to love doing this. I mean, every waking hour that you can think of, you need to be focused on it because things are changing financially constantly in the world. Yeah. And how to respond to that. And and knowing that your response should not just be instant, but it how does how does this fit in the long term? How does yeah. this fit with experience? Okay. I mean, I, speaking of that, I can speak personally that even though I've only been an advisor eight years and I have been working very hard to learn everything that I can and to more or less train myself mm -hmm. to be doing this 24-7, 365, I hope in another 10 or 15 years that I could be a little closer to where Bob's at now. I mean, you, there are times where we talk and thinking, this is just like habit, second nature, almost like instinct. It comes muscle memory. Because, yeah, it, th <laughs> yeah, that's thank you. That's what I was trying to think of. Yeah. It's almost like a muscle memory because you've been doing it so long that it's just part of, I mean, it's just part of every day. It's just part of how you it operate. It doesn't shake me. Yeah. It, I, but, I, I've seen it. But it takes time like, it to do that. And yeah. it takes consistency in doing that before you can get to that point. I, I, I gotta admit it does. And and uh, I'm still learning, like I said, I've been doing this for 38 yeah. years and I'm still learning a lot, okay? So the, the second, I mean the seventh flaw. Seventh. The seventh flaw of, of DIY investing is uh, lack of professional planning tools. And, that, right. and, and I'm talking things like, you know, we use advices, we use e-money, uh, we white use charts, white risk charts, wise. yeah, all these different just to name tools. A few. <laughs> and just to, just think of it this way, okay, Sean. I was thinking about this when I when I was putting this together. Um, a guy that trims out a home, okay, he's mm -hmm. got all his tools. He's got his trim, you know, he's got his nail gun. It's the proper nail gun, okay, right. not just any nail gun, but he's got a, a yeah. nail gun because you use a different nail gun for framing than you do for right. trimming, right. okay? He's got just like a, the saws, and he he understands how to work all those tools. 
these tools, as you know, take a lot of time. Yeah, they're to, they're expensive. Very, very. They take a while to get proficient at them. Yes, and you have to keep using them to make sure you have you retain those skills. And so it's again, it kind of goes back to that twenty four seven three sixty five. There are these tools that we have to use mm -hmm. as tools of the trade, just right. like you were talking about with the trim carpenter, you mm -hmm. know, whatever. Right. And the other part of it is that training and that practice in knowing how to use them properly. I, mean, I could go to Lowe's or Home Depot or McCoy's down the road and, just and I, could, I could go buy a bunch of these tools and spend a whole lot of money, but that doesn't all of a sudden make me a skilled carpenter, trim, you know, or right. a carpenter, mm -hmm. but that's kind of the the other aspect of this. Yeah. Well, well, you know, you've watched me on, on some of these and it's like muscle memory. I just, in e-money, I'm just flip around the charts yep. and, and put the different scenarios in. And I don't even know how to do it. I mean, I've been doing it for so long. It's just it's so fast. And like, how do you handle this? And yeah. it's just part of it. Just I, takes I've just done it for so, long, so yeah. long. All right, what's the eighth flaw? The eighth one is proper asset allocation, model construction, and how to utilize different models for different goals. Oh, hmm. Because over time, and, things I, change. I've never seen a DIY investor. They, they, don't even, they don't even know how to put together an asset allocation model. Maybe they know how to invest in one already, right. but how to put together the proper yeah. asset allocation and well, then to realize you need the different models for different goals that you have in life. They've never thought of that. That's right. That's a major flaw, not, use, not doing that. Why is that? It's because usually DIY traders don't have an investment philosophy. They don't have an investment strategy. Right. The, that's the first part. Once you have the strategy, the next part is the ongoing implementation of that. So when it comes to that allocation, that model construction, and what are you going into, what percentage are you going into it, and when to make adjustments and changes as the economy changes, as you know, options change, as you know, politics change, both local and abroad. I mean, there's all these factors that go into you have your strategy, you have your investment philosophy, but when and what do you change it to throughout the year? And these models the are, are breathing and, and, and yeah. live, they're like living, breathing models. Yeah. And you don't just go all or nothing. You, right. You, you know, you massage those models. Yeah. And that, and that takes us into the ninth flaw that I see. Right, which is understanding how risk and reward work together and what to expect in normal fluctuations during different investment cycles. You know, we're in a we're in a, a down cycle this year. We've been in yeah. been in one, and the volatility is way really out of the norm. Up. Is it not, in the norm? Is it not as bad? I mean, those are the questions right. where understanding what those different investment cycles look like. That's the importance of that it. That takes time, Charlie. Exactly, and that takes a tremendous amount of time. I've, I've been through eighty seven, and you know the the huge downturn in 1987 that's how far back I go I've been through 93 I was alive then <laughs> I've been you know through the through the 99 2000 2001 internet bubble I've been through 2008 yeah. I've been through covid of course recently and and now and now this I, I'm not surprised by any of them and you will see so many things identical things happening yeah. you know, during these markets we'll put a chart on screen there's that really interesting chart that we saw I think it was from Putnam Investments but it actually shows over the last 73 years I believe it's updated through the end of 2021 but it shows the duration and the percentage change in bull and bear markets from the yeah. last 73 years it it's is a really great chart. interesting chart to see that you know 
it's not if we have a bear market, it's when we have a bear market and what to expect, what's normal. So let's get to our last flaw. Yeah, which is lack of understanding and applying all the different tax strategies. There's a lot of tax strategies that can be applied yeah. uh, during investing. Uh, we used one just recently. You know, the markets have been down. Well, there's a lot of, of unrealized losses in the market. So we reached in and we took those losses. But you, the way to do that is you, you have to take your losses and immediately get back into the markets. Right. And today is an example. I mean, I know this this uh, program's not going to come out for probably five or six weeks, but today's an example and yesterday, too, um, about how using this kind of strategy and the importance of you've got to go out of one door and right back into the next door. Right. And the reason I say that is because the market was down, as you know, last week, mm -hmm. three or four percent. And then the last two days, if you add the two, it's up five. Right. So you, you can't be out of the market. But we took those losses for 31 days and it's called and we have to go by the wash rules we can't go back into that same portfolio it it's complicated and i'm not going to go through all of it here but yeah. that's using the different tax strategies and nobody likes paying taxes sean nope i've never met anybody hey no, jesus, no matter little pay they they, they pay okay. jesus said give to caesar what is Caesar's. yes he did but don't give caesar one cent more than you have to yeah Give exactly what you owe and no more. <laughs> so that does it today for our 10 flaws of DIY or do-it-yourself investing, okay? And um, after hearing this, you may think, you know, I, I think I want to hire a fiduciary-based advisor. Don't hire a commission-based advisor. Whatever you hire a fiduciary-based advisor where you're paying them, they're not getting paid by what they put you in. So be very right. careful of that. And we would be glad to talk to you about coming alongside you and becoming a partner with you. That's the way it basically works. We're not getting paid by what we put you in. There's no commissions here at all. That's right. We and get paid a, a flat percentage per year. Mm -hmm. And whether we make one trade or we make a hundred trades, it doesn't, and it doesn't matter what particular investments we choose, it doesn't change what we are compensated. Because and that's, that's ultimately what a fiduciary advisor is. They don't have a conflict of interest with, oh, I want to recommend this product to you because I get paid more. Right. What they recommend shouldn't change what they get paid. We so, do well when you do well, and when right. you don't do well, we don't do We don't do well. well. <laughs> so we have a vested interest in how all of our clients do. So here's our phone number to give us a call. You can call us or you can text us during uh, business hours. It's 830-609-6986. And we serve nationwide, customers right. nationwide. And uh, you can go to our website. You can spell out christianfinancialadvisors.com or you can abbreviate and just go christianfa.com and that'll get you to our website. Well, that's going to do it for today. That's, that's all. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless and until next time. We invite you to listen to all of our past episodes covering many financial topics from a Christian perspective. To make sure you don't miss any of Bob's upcoming episodes, you can subscribe to Christian Financial Perspectives on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Amazon Music. To learn more about integrating your faith with your finances, visit ChristianFinancialAdvisors.com or call 830-609-6986. Investment advisory services offered through Christian Investment Advisors, Inc., DBA Christian Financial Advisors, also known as Christian Financial Advisors Management Group, a registered investment advisor. Comments from today's show are for informational purposes only and not to be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any company that may have been mentioned or discussed. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host, Bob Barber, and his guests. Bob does not provide tax advice and encourages you to seek guidance from a tax professional.
While Christian Investment Advisors believes the information to be accurate and reliable, we do not claim or have responsibility for its completeness, accuracy, or reliability.